Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. So today we are talking about standalones. We recently talked about series and kind of the different types of series. And today we're going to just dig into writing standalones, reading standalones, some of the standalones we like, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about standalones is I think in today's story climate, I mean, we see it in films too. Mm -hmm. We get fewer and fewer standalone books because so many are part of these broader series or well we talked last time about how series make money they do they do and it's in some ways it's so hard to do an original concept over and over and over again within brand new worlds like it it feels to me like especially if we're looking at things like mysteries thrillers fantasy Fantasy, yeah when you already have the world yeah set up Mm -hmm. you you get to use all that that work that has been done before but when you're starting over as a standalone a lot more work it it is yeah because you do have to ease your readers into the world Mm -hmm. into everything that's going on yeah and even you know even within a mystery like what is the world of the story even if you're not doing this huge fantasy or or even speculative world where rules are changed you still have to kind of set within the world what's what's going on what is the care what you know even in terms of date or there's just so much work that has to be done and I think that's not just with the writer because Mm -hmm. the reader has to do all that work too yeah and I I think that that's one of the reasons why there are so many movies books within series is it's also cozier for someone Mm. to go back into a world that they already know Mm. a little bit um the barrier to entry is a little yeah, lower. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think that there's well, a lot the, there. Well, and you already have trust with the reader, too. Yes. Like, if they've liked the first book yeah. or the whatever, then they already trust you and are willing to go into that next one with you. Absolutely. I feel like that, in particular, is especially true with, like, interconnected ones. Um, yes. Because you can... Like, a reader can jump back in at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not, like, being strung along through a series. So there's a lot of, like, trust is what leads them to pick up the next book. Like, for, yes. for me as a reader, like, with an interconnected series, like, I might love the first book, but I might not pick up the second one right away. Yeah. But I know when I'm looking for something that I know I'm going to like, I'll go back to that series. You know, Absolutely. like, so there's a huge bit of, like, trust in that comfort zone going Absolutely. into the, the thing. But I also feel like... I wish there was more standalones lately. Me like too. I have trouble finding them, yeah. especially in certain genres, like mm-hmm. in like in fantasy in particular, yeah. or or even like paranormal and stuff. But I want more of them because my yes. attention span's so short, and I'm like, yeah. I want just a complete story I can enjoy in yes. like a couple of days, and just like like yay. <laughs> that isn't part of a broader duology. That I don't have to commit or... yes. to like five books for you know. Absolutely. <laughs> like, but I think looking at it from that perspective of commitment, yeah. like, sometimes we don't mind to make 
that yeah, commitment. Yeah, totally. And sometimes if it's something that, like you said, like one that you can hold off on, but you know it's Well, that's know exactly why I'm there. loving Interconnected Series right now, because they feel like standalones. But I know there's something there if I want to go back to it. <laughs> well, and you kind of can hold off on reading it and yes. gift it to you when exactly. you're in the right place. Exactly. Like, I do that with Emily Henry. That I'm like, this is your gift when you have finished this because yeah. you have that trust. Yeah. And you know that you can jump into it and enjoy the flavor. Yeah. And it, yet it's going to have, like, a distinctiveness to it, too. Totally. So that definitely has those best of both worlds where mm-hmm. it's both comfortable but also new yeah and kind of shows you different things well and I feel like there's an interesting like with standalones you have to like there's that barrier to entry like you said and it's almost harder I think lately I've been looking a lot at like authors who become like have name recognition almost yeah and I feel like there's a lot they do a lot of these like interconnected series, it yes. seems like. And because you, you then build that trust. Whereas yes. if an author has a bunch of standalones, I don't know what I'm getting into. Yeah. And, and each book might be totally different. But like when I pick up a Ruby Dixon, I know what I'm going to get, Absolutely. you know, like, and I can pick one up and put it down and like pick one up and put it down. Yes. I don't know if that makes sense. Absolutely. So it is like the best of two worlds. And, it, it absolutely is. Yeah. And what's interesting is I was thinking of like, really of authors today mm-hmm. like what ones are really making it really well that yeah. do a lot of standalones and i can't think of any i thought of two okay um really there's a third but there's a caveat with that one so okay. neil gaiman um, okay fair enough sure. completely like you have the ocean at the end of the lane yeah yeah never wear stardust yeah um the what is the his big opus i can see it in my head um the gods one. Oh yeah um oh, oh yeah. why can't i think of that name <laughs> i can't see it in my head oh such a good read too. yeah american gods yes yes um but he also does a lot of short story work yeah too. yeah and it's interesting because the only series that really i think he's been connected with well two are interworld which he didn't actually write any right, of the other ones um, <laughs> on he had other people wrote those yeah and then Good Omens, which mm-hmm. is interesting, because mm-hmm. they are writing the TV show with him, yeah, doing a sequel to something that there was always the intention of doing a sequel, but yeah. Terry Pratchett, who he co-wrote with, died before they could do right. it. Um, and that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. So he's going back into the world, and hopefully they're going to be doing, it looks like at this point that there's going to be a Good Omens season three to wrap up. Everything, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't tell, I love but, it. but his do that's a great example. Have these distinctiveness, and yet people go back to him. The graveyard book, which we've talked but about before. I yeah. think though that he has a very, very distinct voice. Yes, and so you do have that trust, or you know what you're getting when you pick up one of his books, yeah. even if they are a standalone yeah. and the world's totally different. You know there are some things yeah. that are going to carry over, and so you can trust that what happened before you're gonna get something that absolutely at least has the same feel as other things he also is an older author which i think that standalones used to be much more popular and so you had more people willing to read standalones looking for standalones and so they would then find more authors that they were into as standalones i I think he made it big before this 
serialized trend was really big. I think so too. And And when short stories were really big, you know, like a lot of authors at that time got started with short stories and magazines and things like that. And that doesn't happen as much now. Yeah. Yeah, They don't sell. And they're not actually in print. And not that people don't read them, but they are online now. And it is kind of different in how it's, it's done, how much money you can make from them, even mm-hmm. selling a book with short stories. Well, even the, two the ability to yeah. get rank, name recognition for short stories, yes. I think, is much harder now. Like, you just don't, even if you can sell them and get some short stories out there, which is great, yeah. you just, you have totally different audiences for the types of short stories. There's not as much, like, universal, this is the magazine you get in, you know, like, Absolutely. in order to get name recognition. Absolutely. And it is interesting for Neil Gaiman. I think even when Stardust came out, yeah. the movie, I don't think there was as much no, people name didn't know about recognition. Much, yeah. Like then Coraline came out, and yeah. then like this came out, and that came. It's out. almost and like so, the movies kind of gave him that. Yeah, it, yeah. It kind of has grown his name, yeah. and you know now with American Gods sure. and Good Omens out there, uh, yeah. like he has a lot of recognition. But yeah. when I read Neverwhere. Which is so good. 15 years ago. Go read it. It's wonderful. And it's a great standalone. It's one of those... What's interesting is he does kind of go across this range of YA to very much adult fiction. Yeah, it's true. His stuff is very different, but his voice is so similar. Absolutely. And Neverwhere, I would say, is a little closer to American Gods in the adult. Because of just how... And you'll see if you pick it up. It it is tend it does tend to be a lot more brutal than like the ocean at yes, the end yes. of the lane or the graveyard book. So or even Coraline. If yeah. you go into it from those, you might be surprised. But it has it is a wonderful standalone that has a very distinctive place that it starts. A yeah. really great intricate interesting fascinating world cast of very varied characters yes and it ends in a place that totally gives you this great sense of catharsis yes it's just it's satisfying it's interesting you have a completed plot like yeah i want more of that me too (laughs) like i almost want to be like since you seem to be doing sequels could we just get a little more Because it is, like, the world is delicious. Like, the idea of being able to fall through a crack of society and there being an entire world underneath, like, it just, one, it kind of, I think there's parts that we understand about that, about not being seen and about kind of getting lost in the shuffle. But I think there's also something really fascinating of that almost like Alice in Wonderland, the world mm-hmm. within the world, like mm-hmm. being able to fall down the rabbit hole, yeah. being able to open a door and be something, you know, in the same place, but somewhere completely different. Yeah. And it is one of those books that you can tell how much richness was in the development of yeah. it. So again, is I think a skill of his that, Sure. As you Absolutely. get into that, you get that richness. It has to be, in at times it has to be lush in its description because of that. Yeah. <laughs> you need to know where it fits. But I feel like every word is just so thought out yes. with him that you know that every single word counts. Yes. 
And in many ways, it's also delightful because he has his weird sense of humor in there. Yes. Like the dryness and the the kind of winking at you a little bit Mm -hmm. um, sometimes with his subtlety. Yeah. Okay, so what's the other author? Because I'm so, so curious. Yeah, I was thinking... And a lot more standalone. Well, uh, unfortunately, I was thinking Stephen King. So yes, okay. lots of things are within his yes. The Dark Tower series, but he does have beautiful standalones. Yeah. Um, he's another yeah. one of those older authors. He is another one. He started in a very who, different... Where publishing was very different. Absolutely. Yeah. And his book... So the one that I've enjoyed most of his is actually his least Stephen King one <laughs> um, called Elevation. Uh-huh. And it's it's incredibly weird, but it's kind of beautiful mm-hmm. about the change that this character undergoes because he has to change. Like mm-hmm. he is going through a physical thing that causes him to yeah. have to change emotionally and mentally and really shift um, through. It's this really weird speculative where huh. he's losing... He's losing kind of weight from a, when he stands on the scale, his weight is reducing even though his mass is not. And so he's almost losing gravity, um, kind of the ability to ground yourself on the floor. Interesting. It is is so weird, but it is... Yeah. You can... It's one of those that's kind of beautifully hopeful, which is rare for him. Yeah. Um, I... he does amazing things he's very talented people Um, love him yeah he's not my jam but 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 he doesn't often write with light and it was it was one of those that's probably like the the most hopeful um of his books and i've heard other people who have read a significant amount of his books say that well maybe i'll have to check that one out yeah i've always been curious to like dig into him but every time i try i'm just like this is not for me for me too because he doesn't connect with the things that usually are hooks for me yeah and it was just a fascinating read it isn't like my favorite of all reads but i really enjoyed the process of reading what he does and reading within that story yeah um, and it yeah. definitely like it read like you know he is older so it kind of yeah reads that way yeah i mean yeah. he's another interesting one though too because yes. his voice is very distinct also like mm-hmm. um so even though he writes a lot large variety of types Absolutely. of stories there are things that carry over into yes. all of his stories that are very similar like Absolutely. you know there's going to be some dark stuff you know there's going to yeah. be some like suspense kind of things and you know the writing is going to be really dry like his voice is very distinct absolutely and the genres really do well with standalone I think like his you know when it's thriller and horror like it really I think naturally does well with it just like fantasy does lend itself well and the third person I was thinking of is Sylvia Moreno de Garcia who hasn't Mm. done any that connect with each other and she has a wide range of books yeah from like a the beautiful ones which I really enjoyed it's a historical um speculative with yeah. powers. All of her stuff is speculative, right? Yeah. Which is interesting that she hasn't done series then because that yeah. is a genre that people tend to do series yeah. for. When but you have to do a lot of world building, you don't want to waste it. She goes from horror to like, so yeah. speculative horror yeah. to speculative, like even like it was speculative almost historical romance, even though it, like it's hard to 
sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard to put her in a genre. Yeah. And even like with Mexican Gothic, which we've talked about in depth, mm-hmm. um, that is sometimes like, is this Gothic? Is it Gothic horror? Right. Is it spec- like, which it is a little of all of those. It yeah. kind of crosses a lot of things. Like you could find a diagram where you're like, I could call it this. And yeah. she, she likes to say that it's horror because there's so few Sure. women writers in it and yeah. I totally get that too yeah. but she also goes into science fiction she mm-hmm. has some things that are kind of speculative but on the mythological side and mm-hmm. more thriller she has a vampire one called certain dark things which I mm-hmm. really enjoyed um, that's back yeah. in time you've read yeah. a couple of her things would you say I that have... she also has that distinct for I mean Mexican Gothic has a very distinct voice, yeah. but I haven't read other things of hers, yeah. so I don't know if that carries over. Well, and what's what's difficult is like, obviously the trappings change. Sure. Do I f- can I tell it's her style? Yeah. Yes, but absolutely, yeah. like she fits within the the expectations of what you want within the genre. Like yeah. you yeah. don't have it's not as atmospheric and heavy-handed like it's definitely one of those things that you can tell who's writing it but you definitely have her fitting within the expectations of what she's doing um so they're different yeah (laughs) they're all very very different sure um well that's true with neil gaiman too but there is a very you know you're right you can tell it's her yeah and uh, also because i think she cares about very specific things Mm -hmm. and i think that that care also Mm. comes through to some of those themes yeah and it's not necessarily the exact same themes over and over again but it's that she pays attention to certain things and even when you're changing out viewpoints she does have very like especially Mm. like dynamics within societies Mm. she always seems to to care and take a lens to that and so I think that there's definitely things that you can see above her lap, but they are uniquely their own thing, which yeah. I love. And I, I love being able to try something new out of her. She has, also has one that's a noir that I've been saving. <laughs> like, maybe, like, it will be my Christmas present. Um, and that's, it's yeah. just interesting. I, I look forward to seeing what she does within that, because I do think that that's, noir is... A genre that I think is ripe for reinterpretation, and yeah. I want to see her take on it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. You know who else I just thought of who mm. does a lot of standalones is um, I'm drawing a blank on her name, but the gal who wrote Daisy Jones and the Six. Oh yes, yes, Taylor it's uh, Jenkins. Yeah, Jenkins, something like that. But she does a lot of standalone too. Yes, and is fairly she, yeah prolific, uh, prolific and well known. Taylor Jenkins Reid, because mm-hmm. she also did the. Um, she did Seven Husbands of, yeah, seven, um, of Evelyn Hugo, yeah, which is yeah, huge. Yeah. And it is interesting because it does seem like she crosses genres as well. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. But I do feel like, she, I mean, I haven't read, I, I've really only read Dixie Jones and the Sex. Yeah. But it did have a very distinct flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I think I, often when I go searching for a book... What's hard is that I want, I want to try something new. I want to try a new yes. author. But when I go looking, I see like, oh, there's 
this is a three book trilogy or this yes. is a seven book thing or yeah. um and it gets intimidating cuz I'm like I don't know that I want to invest that much time especially yeah. with a serialized thing because I will often keep reading a serialized thing just because I want answers to questions like we yes, talked about absolutely. last week um even if I don't particularly like the characters or the story or yeah. the writing and so then I feel like if the questions are good enough I'm committing to four books absolutely <laughs> but I don't know that I want to commit to four books yes. because I don't know what this author is gonna do or be yes and so I kind of wish more authors did at least a handful of standalones that would allow yeah. you to like sample them or like try them out like <laughs> I think it's like wise to understand the psychology of even choosing like why we choose the books that we do and when and knowing both of those things because the other side to that is trying out an author that you've never tried before also has that level of like commitment phobia where you're like well I've never read anything let's see who's read other things or what the rating is for that book or Especially with a brand new debut, you have all the excitement and interest of a brand new thing that we've never had experience with, but then you also have the problem of you don't know anything about this writer. Absolutely. And you don't yet have the trust. I sometimes feel like that's, like, big authors, they kind of, um, because they have that trust... Yes. People spend all their time just reading them. Or, you know, like we just go back to them over and over again, which then makes them even bigger, which makes them even more popular, which makes more people try them out. And it kind of is hard. Like, I don't know. It feels almost impossible sometimes as smaller authors to break into that. Yes. Because you don't have that trust yet. Because it's hard to get people to break out of that barrier and, like, take the chance on you. Absolutely. And because there's this, like, cycle of people just... I don't know. Absolutely. No, it absolutely It's a little does. bit frustrating, I think, as a writer. Yeah. And I don't know that that used to be... I mean, maybe it did. I don't know. Yeah. But I feel like I see, like, Sarah J... We've talked about Sarah J. Yeah. Moss before, but I have very strong opinions about her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it's, like, this... People keep reading her yes. over and over again. Um, when I read other books that are, I would say, way better, yeah. but they don't have the name recognition and they don't have that trust built. That's exactly. And and it's interesting how things then get propagated with TikTok. They get yeah. propagated on social media. Yeah. They often have street teams that yeah. are able to go out and kind of do those type of things. And not that that's terrible or anything mm-hmm. like that, but it is something that is like self-propagating. Yeah, definitely. exactly. That's the word I was trying yeah, to Yeah, Absolutely. It kind of yeah. feeds itself. Yeah. And I, I do think that then looking at maybe doing both, like allowing... Yes there to be different things for for different entry points who want, yeah. yeah and i think entry points we don't often look at entry points like yeah. as a thing yeah. like we don't especially often, as authors we just yeah. don't think of in that like kind of businessy way right <laughs> we don't kind but of switch our lens from the lens like even to think of how yeah. do we find books like yeah, how do totally. we pick up something like right. even why did I pick up Mexican Gothic? Like, yeah. it, it's interesting to those sit back and mm-hmm. say, again, where are those entry points? Where are the things where I don't feel like I can commit to something? Yeah. Where are the things that I feel like, oh, yeah. I can enjoy this one because I know I will enjoy it, or I'm yeah. ready to step out and do something new and uncozy and uncertain. Yeah. And 
as I was going through the list, like I have other books that I've personally loved yeah. by authors. Like I have Aaron Morgenstern's The Night Circus, which oh, yeah. we haven't really talked about much in depth, but it's one that I think does such a great job with what it is. It yeah. uses very interesting the the covers amazing. The choices are like, super interesting yeah. in that book, yeah. And the second you open the book, you know it's yeah. different. It's in second person, yeah. and it's talking about this circus. The I think it's one of the only era. books I've seen in second person that really works Absolutely. Like, she just masters it. And uses it yes. to perfection. Yes. She uses the setting so well. It is gorgeous. You're yeah. sitting there, and you almost... It's not that you don't care about the characters, and you do. Like, yeah. you absolutely do. She does a great job of creating empathy for those characters, yeah. even when one of them particularly is doing stupid things <laughs> and you want to slap him. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah. it, it allows you to really connect deeply mm. with them mm-hmm. and totally, I think, invest you mm-hmm. in these new characters that you've never met. Like, she does yeah. such a great job of making them vulnerable and interesting well, and I think, I mean, part of the downside of a standalone is you can't dig into the characters as much. You don't yeah. have as much time as you do with the seri- like yeah. serialized series or something like that. But, you know, like, it's that give and take. And so, like, yeah. you you have the benefit of this more encapsulized plot, a story yeah. that isn't as much of a commitment for a reader. But you have these downsides of, like, you can't develop things as much. You have to yeah. write things much tighter. Yes. Um, you don't have as much room to, to dig into the characters. So that means you have to do it fast and you have to do it well yeah. and you have to get that empathy um right away yes and I, I think when you can do that well it's amazing absolutely um but well, it's I, difficult I think that also looks at the differences between a, a large cast of characters yeah. and a standalone it is so hard to get that right when yeah. there's a large cast of characters yeah it's really hard overwhelming mm-hmm. it is you have so much work to do yeah <laughs> um to make it satisfying well to get the reader even just to remember the character's absolutely. name you have so much work to do you know like you just have to absolutely yeah you have to get that working for you and mm-hmm. i think one of the other ones i thought about um that we haven't talked much on here was uh cruel beauty by rosamund hodge mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think the reason why that one works is it actually doesn't take a lot of time to world build at the beginning. Yeah. It sets you very strongly in someone's perspective and her yeah. perspective is so interesting. It's angry. It's it's yeah. not boring. It's like the second you're there, she's going to be stabbing someone. So it's <laughs> like, like, oh, I'm here for this. Well, it's a fairly but small cast. It too. is very small. Yeah, so you can... When you have a standalone, it's almost yes. like you have to limit that in order to dig into the characters that you do have. Absolutely. And then it allows the space, yeah. since you're not using that with so many people coming and going, for you to get a lot of explorations yeah. of the people within an interesting, interesting world yeah. that is kind of weird and beautiful and that unfolds over time. Yeah. I think she did such a great job with having it not everything all at once like she opened it up like a flower that you definitely get Mm -hmm. this and Mm -hmm. then this and then this and this and this and this and this and when it it, when it plays when you get like the ending that she's been working towards the entire time you can tell the little things that helped you get there 
even having something where someone is going to make a choice where you really have to sit with both sides of that choice and you can see the reasoning behind either. Um, She had the ability to do that because it was so small. Yeah. Obviously, with a Beauty and the Beast retelling-ish, it's not just that. It's going to be small. It's kind of a mashup of Psyche and Mm -hmm. um, Cupid Cupid and kind of a little bit of Tilly Have Faces. And Mm -hmm. it it just allowed the scope of the story itself, allowed for that very beautiful small world that kind of allowed for those dynamics to change and flow, but also while yeah. having beautiful things happen within the settings that really allowed you to not get bored. Yeah. Well, I mean, uprooted is kind of like that too. Absolutely. Beautiful setting, small yes. cast. Like, yes. Yeah. I think what's, I mean, we talked last week about serials and how it's mm-hmm. hard, like with a serial, you, the hard things are keeping track of all of those threads, <laughs> bringing them in at the right place, keeping yes. track of those questions you're raising for the, the reader and being able to like step back from the work and read it as a reader so that you can see how those questions yes. are developing. But I think the hard thing with a standalone is really that like you have to know your story and you yes. can't get sidetracked with a bunch of side stories and a bunch of side yes. characters. Like you have to know the story that you're telling and you have to just tell that story and you have to keep it tight. Yes. And I think that's also often like, I see a lot of beginning authors mm. who can't do that. Yeah. And so they start writing a book and maybe they're thinking it's going to be one book or maybe they're thinking it's going to be two books. And before you know yes. it, it's three or four books. And I think mm, so often yes. there's just so much extra stuff that they don't need. Yes. Um, and I think that's really like part of developing as a writer yeah. is that learning to tell a concise story yes. um, and not getting off on bunny trails. Yes, <laughs> and that's what I love about standalones is they are like a good standalone is a concise story and absolutely. it's not a bunch of rabbit trails that aren't needed, but it's this is everything here is needed. Yes. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, just the changes of society, even what we will accept. Mm-hmm. No one's going to sit down nowadays and read something that's written now that is the Count of Monte Cristo they won't yeah. which, like it's beautiful yeah. I love it yeah but no one's gonna give that even Lord of, of the Rings like people have a hard time reading that like it just absolutely. we don't have the patience for it you know like it's an amazing story I love it I'm not you know like, absolutely but if it were if it were too. published yes. today like it would not I don't think it would sell absolutely and I think remembering that mm-hmm. that there might be these epic stories. Yeah. Those are the things that you write, like... When you have them. Yeah. It's funny because <laughs> the, the sand yes. is this, another great example of that. It's over, you know, it's over a thousand pages. Right. And that's the thing is, no one will sit with that unless they first trust, trust you. Mm-hmm. And I do think that sometimes we get carried away yes. with the world. Yes. And we need to... Rather than broadening our scope, we need to narrow it down to what yeah. is the story. And then yes. once we know what the story is... Yeah, then you can... If you're yeah. like, yeah. oh, like I need a little more fleshing out yeah, here. Yeah. Or I need something that helps also tell this. You mm-hmm. can broaden that out. But it's more concerning that you'll end up with yeah. far too many words yeah. and have to cut, you know... That's what's so hard is it's agonizing to have to cut that much out. Yeah. So maybe even starting with that smaller scope at first yeah. of what is my core yeah. and then building outwards yeah. can be a little better. <laughs> and, and 
remind, like capturing every idea you have because sure. sometimes that can play in later, especially if you decide to do a yeah. series. But not letting it run away yes. and then become a thing that's not really. Yeah. Well, Neil Gaiman talks yeah. about, like, in his masterclass, we've talked about this yeah. before, but he talks about the benefit of writing short stories. Yes. Um, because it can teach you that concise writing and can teach you to have one plot line that's yes. just like, this is the story. Yes. And I think the same is true. Like, I would highly, highly advise early writers to write a standalone. Like, don't start with yes. a series. Like, start with a standalone or start with, the, like, start with small story, like, short story yes. or whatever. But even if, you, if a short story feels too small, like, start with a standalone and really yeah. figure out, like, how to tell a tight, concise story. Yeah. And I feel like once you know how to do that, then you can tell a series really well yes. because then you can expand that ability into multiple books where you still are telling one compelling story. Yes. Well, and there's even opportunity for that. I yeah. mean, we talk about like The Hobbit. Like, <laughs> I mean, not that I'm suggesting that, but you can yeah. click within the same world even yes. without doing yes. a direct sequel mm-hmm. or, or something like that. You can... Or you could, in the back of your mind, have something that also has strings yes. where something You leave something open that direct, you could pick yeah, it up again. But it's, Absolutely, yeah. but not so that it's dissatisfying. And yeah. that's the key, I think, to a great standalone is you need to leave your readers satisfied yes. so that they say, ah. Yes. Like, you're so going true. for that feeling. Yeah. And I think they're... Even with standalones, I think that people forget yes. that you want that feeling that ah, whether they've escaped death yeah. or like like whatever it is, like even yes. if it's a little open, it needs to feel like it has concluded. Yes. Like it is wrapped, like there's not a bunch of things that you're waiting for answers on. Because I do think with standalones, if you don't have that feeling of like cathartic, yes. then you uh, don't trust the reader, and we're right back to the ground. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think Mexican Gothic is a great example oh of that gosh, because she yes. doesn't wrap up all the endings. She doesn't give everyone a happy ending, yes. but the story she's telling is complete because yes. the story she's telling is about one girl going to one place to do one thing, and that yes. happens. You know, like it does, and it is satisfying as heck yeah because it wraps that story up beautifully yes and yet there is this grain of sand in our minds that like has us thinking but what happens the next day Mm -hmm. and it's not a dissatisfied one it is a ah yeah well it feels like it like life you know like there is that uncertainty but there's this yeah catharsis of having the story you wanted to know what was going to happen with, you know what happens with it. And there's something that you can hope for. Yeah. Like, and I still hope for. Like, yeah. I'm like, I still, like, have a head yes. of what happens. But yeah. I, I think there's something very beautiful about that. I think that yeah. the Night Circus does that well, yeah, too. Yeah, And that at the end, there's things that you you don't exactly know. Yeah. There's, but it is satisfying as heck. Like, <laughs> like, where you have this definite moment mm-hmm. of difference, of movement, yeah. of finally. Yeah. And and I do think that word, that finally, yeah. that feeling that the thing that you were hoping for mm. 
has come to I love that. We should start using finally instead of the end. Like, yes, that's the feeling you want at the end of the readers. Absolutely. Even if there's still some open questions. Yes. Yeah. I feel like you want that in a serialized too, or in like other things. You you want at least that feeling of finally, even if they're like, ooh, but what's going to happen with this? Yeah. Or at least my my favorites have that. I think so too. Like, especially with a serialized that's going to pull you through over and over again, even with a cliffhanger. Yeah. I do think we need that feeling of in this specific micro plot of the broader story. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, finally, we will end. (laughs) We hope that you keep reading and writing and somebody please write more standalones. Please do. We will read them. (laughs) And putting your voice out into the world. Thank you for joining us.